1: Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Another world. Another time. In the age of wonder.
2: There was once a dream you could only whisper it. Anything more than A whisper.
3: They would vanish. A battle between good and evil!
1: You don't know the power of the dark side. Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own level? Try the local sewer.
0: You know of the rebellion against the Empire?
1: The Avengers, Earth's mightiest heroes. Peace means having a bigger stick than the other guy. One of these days, I'm gonna have a stick of my own. I'm brute!
0: Welcome to the Neverland Podcast. The podcast for lovers of Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars. I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Please welcome your host, Jeremy. I thought he'd be taller. Yeah, I can find him. All
4: it takes is faith and trust. Well, if it isn't the Star Spangled Man with a
1: plan, what is your plan today? Up to Neverland!
3: Take your pixie out of your pocket, Neverlanders, because it's time to grab your happiest thought with some of that pixie dust to fly off to Neverland. And of course, it's me again. It is your host, Jeremy the Spider-Pan, and flying along with us today is Lost Boy Retlaw, or we like to just call him Eric. Eric Warren. Eric, Eric, Eric,
0: Eric, Eric
3: Warren. Eric Warren. Hi! Hello, Eric. How have you been?
2: I am actually doing well. You know what? I finally got to see Civil War last night.
3: Woohoo! What'd you think?
2: Oh, very good, very good,
3: extremely good. And in fact, I really want to see more. Although, <laughs> I have to wait till Doctor Strange.
2: <laughs> although some guy named Steve got into a fight with me, so. <laughs> wait a minute! What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just quoting uh, that very first, uh, uh, oh. you know, stinger at the end.
3: <laughs> yeah oh yeah some guy from brooklyn yeah yeah <laughs> yes those were fantastic and of course leaving us very excited for an upcoming spider-man movie very much so. called homecoming which is weird
2: well and here, you know knowing that we had homecoming down the road i found i found it very interesting that one of those uh code words was homecoming code words yes one of zemo's code words
3: Oh, yes. Now, that's interesting. I wonder if that's going to tie together.
2: I don't know, but you know what? Here we're talking about the past of Civil War. Let's go ahead and let's move on to the future.
3: Oh, my goodness. The f- Oh, yes. Uh, I guess I can't talk about what we were just talking about off air. <laughs> I was thinking of the future. Uh, but, yes, we've got a lot of things going on today. This is kind of a video game-themed show because... Uh, my goodness, uh, there's a trailer for a video game-based franchise finally coming to the cinemas. Tetris? Yeah, well, yeah, apparently there's a Tetris movie too, but uh, <laughs> Assassin's Creed, we're going to go and talk about that in the trailer park. Uh, we Also, I have a movie review of Warcraft. Now, there's a very good reason why we can talk about Warcraft on the show, other than the fact that we'd like to divulge away from Disney, but uh, there was something brought up on the DCAST, and I'll talk about it in our review later. Or at least my review, because Eric wasn't here when I reviewed it and recorded it. But (laughs) you'll get to hear later. There's a very good reason that we want Warcraft to do well, because... Disney may be keeping an eye on it when considering... Well, I'm going to talk about it now, I guess. The Chronicles of Pride Dane. This is something Dale of uh, the d had brought up. And he kind of, made a good point that fantasy movies have not been doing as well as they used to. So if Warcraft doesn't do well, then maybe Disney will not make the Chronicles of Pride Dane. It's a possibility. It's, it's speculation. But it's interesting to think about. So... Makes me want to go see Warcraft again. And oh, that's right, my wife wants to see it anyway. So, <laughs> but we'll talk <laughs> about that more later. Uh, also, Eric got to talk to artist extraordinaire Adrian Rapp, and we're going to get to hear that audio. Not getting to talk about Disney Infinity yet, but he's got it's some cool its stuff. It's on its way. But uh, there's some other cool stuff that he does. And uh, he has worked, of course, with Disney Infinity for years, doing like what storyboards mainly and stuff like that? Uh, lead story artist. Lead story. Wow. Lead story artist. See, that's awesome. So we've got him on the show. uh, Great review of Warcraft. And I got to ask you all. Okay, so I haven't really done a whole lot of park news. And I think a lot of other shows, they have all kinds of park news. So I kind of get a little negligent and I've been kind of busy with a lot of other things here lately and i've kind of let it fall by the wayside but if you would definitely like to hear us do more park news i'll definitely do some more well there's definitely some things i want to be able to talk about so uh let's go ahead and get started with some neverland news
0: Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland.
3: Okay, now I'm, I'm probably a little behind on some of these, but uh, I've kind of learned some interesting things. Okay, now Eric, have you heard about this Jungle Book show going on in the, in the Animal Kingdom?
2: Yeah, I've heard about it uh, a couple of weeks ago. There uh, were a lot of postings on Facebook... About about it, I personally haven't uh, been able to, to watch any of the videos of it, but I know that there's been a big to do about it uh, something new and something, uh, well, yeah, something new coming to the animal kingdom. Um, now, I've learned some interesting
3: things about Jungle Book uh, that uh, you know because I didn't know this was coming. It, it was kind of almost a surprise when I started hearing about a Jungle Book show, but apparently, this is because they don't quite have everything ready for that. Uh, what was it? Uh, is it? I the world the of Avatar? magic. Well, no, not that one. But uh, with that, you know, they're, they're kind of equivalent to the world of color, and I cannot remember the name of it, and I couldn't find it anywhere.
2: Oh yes, yes. Um, but it's it's, part of their it's after a, dark. Yeah, a projection show on the uh, tree of life there in the animal kingdom.
3: Uh, that's actually something different. The tree of life awakens. Actually, it's a. Uh, It's going to go throughout the evening. There's going to be Animal Spirits, and apparently that is running, and people have been talking about it saying it's very, very cool. But there was supposed to be a big World of Color-style show, and I cannot think of the name of it, but it's not quite ready on time. So they they threw together a Jungle Book show with a bunch of live actors and great costumes, and uh, people have still been enjoying it, but it is a limited-time engagement because once they have the main show ready to go, and I haven't found anything about any particular dates going on, uh so it's at some point it is going to change out, and it will be this new show, which will be even bigger and better but uh, I think they had they had done some tests with the uh, the show that 's intended there, but maybe something didn 't quite go right i 'm not sure what all the details is, but this is the information that i 've been hearing is that the Jungle Book is temporary because they don 't quite have the show ready, but they wanted to go ahead and have Animal Kingdom running at night, and you know they do have some really cool stuff still going on, of course, Kilimanjaro Safaris has got some really cool after dark stuff. Uh, I need to go looking for some video because I want to kind of take a look at some of this. But uh, there's uh, some new restaurants. There's a Harambe wildlife party going on with a bunch of, like, party animal entertainers. Uh, well, they're in quotes with party animals when you look on Disney's official sites here. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess it's going to, of course, costume characters, different animals, uh, really cool stuff going on. So, definitely, you know, they've, they've gotten full swing here. You know, just because we don't have the Pandora thing open yet doesn't mean they're not doing cool things at night already.
2: Well, uh, and, and I know that's been one of the criticisms that Animal Kingdom has faced is that it's not, there, there aren't any offerings at nighttime. So, certainly this show, and, you know, I found the name, it's going to be called Rivers of Light. Yeah, there it is, and uh, you know that's certainly going to help make this more of a nighttime experience, right? And it should be very cool. But in, in this place right
3: now is where this this uh, the show for the Jungle Book is called a Jungle Book Alive with Magic, and it's it doesn't have animal uh, costumes or anything like that. Uh, I am going to get some video. I, I, have gotten in league now with Disney to get their direct, uh, press releases. And they've released some really great video of it. And I am going to eventually put that up on our news feed. So if you go to NeverlandPodcast.com and you click on news or just go to news.neverlandpodcast.com, I will have it up there this week. There's some other things I want to get up there this week as well. So just be patient, but it is coming. Uh, because the other thing I want to post about is the fro, the frozen, frozen has opened at the Hyperion Theater, and apparently people are really digging this.
2: Yes, I've heard the same as well. I'm hoping uh, that I'll have the opportunity to see that coming up on one of my next trips to Disneyland. Yes,
3: and if you can get a recorder in there, we'd love to hear it. (laughs) I'm going to do what I can. Now, I have heard they're being really touchy about catching cameras, but they haven't done anything about uh, just a little audio device, so I'm sure we'll be okay.
2: Yep, as long as there's no issues with audio devices, we'll be good.
3: Yep, and so everybody can get a a listen on how that's doing. I've heard that uh, there's at least two cast members playing Elsa, and I've heard opinions that one seems to be a stronger singer than the other, but we don't know. Uh, But I did get some video officially copyright from Disney. They're calling it their B-roll that I'm going to post up uh, on our news feed and as well as some uh, other fun details I found about that. So be looking for that article all about the new Frozen show. Uh, anything that you maybe haven't heard yet because I know this has already been open for at least a week now uh, and I, although I, I am considering myself thought out, I did still like the movie. So I think I'm going to check it out. I never got to see the Aladdin show, but what I've seen of this B roll, uh, there's some amazing effects and I was wondering how they were doing Olaf at one point. It looks like he is a light projection, but when he's alive and doing stuff, uh, it is the fun of having a puppeteer kind of behind Olaf and you have this great mm-hmm. Olaf puppet that the guy's performing. Uh, so it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, and that is a continuation uh, in a sense from Aladdin because Iago was a puppet.
3: Oh well, see with the performer I never got right there behind it. him. Yeah,
2: so you know, but yeah, you know, I'm sure it's going to be a great show. I loved Aladdin, but I'm afraid it's time to let it go.
3: Oi, <laughs>
2: wah wah wah
0: wah!
3: <laughs> oh my goodness, you, you, you just you just had to get us with that one. <laughs> I have um, to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, there is some video of the uh, Tree of Life Awakenings, which I am going to post that when I'm posting up the Jungle uh, the Jungle Book thing. I'll make sure that video is posted. i have that, that also direct from Disney, and I can't wait to share that because I've been hearing a lot of great things about that, and I would like to see that in person. I'm really going to have to get out there myself. But, uh, ooh, oh, this is big. Okay, uh, you have the Disney Channel, right? Oh, yes. Of course you do. Because Disney Channel, Disney Junior, and Disney XD, although I was looking on my Google Fiber, I couldn't find Disney XD's actual showing, although I was seeing ads for it. Mm -hmm. But it's going to be June 16th. That is this Thursday night. And it's listed as 8 p.m. And I'm figuring that's probably going to be Eastern Time. I would imagine uh, so. Yeah, I'm picking this up directly. I'm reading directly from the Orlando Sentinel, but 8 p.m. So it'll be seven o'clock central for me. Uh, and I figure it's gonna it might be a live event, but check your local local listings. It is going to repeat uh, on June 17th. At about it says 10 p.m. Uh, so Eastern time on Freeform. Shanghai Disney's grand opening is going to be a TV event, and I, that's why I'm assuming it's going to be a live event, mm-hmm. like the old you know, like Walt Disney World openings and stuff like that.
2: Yep, and I remember those. You know, in fact, I one of my favorite TV specials was the 30th anniversary of Disneyland.
3: I've I got to find all these uh, anniversaries online. I've found a few, and I haven't gotten to see everything, but uh, and I do have uh, a copy on DVD that I, I created of the original opening of Walt Disney World. But there's so many specials that they used to do, and even one where they had Ernest going and riding Splash Mountain.
1: Mm-hmm. All
3: these things, I I, I want to collect these things.
2: Oh yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Oh, yeah, just some good classic TV. And, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, they've already had a big special this year with the 60th anniversary of Disneyland uh, Mm -hmm. show, which was kind of interesting because it was, uh, you know, mostly a stage presentation uh, from Hollywood with some, you know, uh, things happening in Disneyland with Elton John singing and looking at a few of the rides.
3: Yeah, and this big mobile app thing that nobody got to work. <laughs>
2: oh, it worked a little bit for me. It was interesting.
3: Oh, I didn't get anything to work on that. But mm. I was just...
2: I. But, uh, you know, Dick certainly I'm glad to see out. them, you know, I, coming back. I can't back complain. And, oh, yeah. Well, and, and to see them <laughs> using these specials and opportunities. I know, uh, you know, within recent years, they've had, uh, you know, live uh, webcasts of, like, say, the Paint the Night Parade. Uh, yes and world of color when it first premiered they had a big web event for that and Mm -hmm. so to see them go into the next step and making a you know an entire special that's going to be broadcast on uh, you know through these cable channels you know it just goes to show that they have uh, faith in their uh, parks departments and uh, you know hey a lot of people are interested in learning more about this new park
3: yeah, and me it's included. nice of them to, yeah, <laughs> it's nice of them though to share this with all of us who maybe you're not ever going to get to Shanghai or, or when they do something from Disneyland and they put it online. You know, for me, who, you know, I live here in Missouri, I don't really have the funds to visit Disneyland as much as I would like. In fact, I've never been to that side of the world. Uh, So getting to see it when they post online, these shows, and seeing it live. I mean, because you can see people have recorded it and put it Mm -hmm. on YouTube, and that's cool. But when it's, I don't know, there's something special about when you're knowing it's a live thing and you're watching it streaming, it's special. You feel like Mm -hmm. you're participating. Oh, yeah. So this is very exciting. So, yes, I'll be sitting in front of my TV watching Shanghai Disney Open. Well, Well, there's something else coming. Oh, go ahead.
2: Well, I was just going to say, you know, that with the opening of Shanghai Disneyland... It's also going to be affecting Disneyland and Epcot the following day. What's happening? Well, Shanghai Disney is going to be premiering Soarin' Around the World. Really? Is that when that is? Yes. And the day after, Soarin' Around the World will open up at the Land Pavilion in Epcot and at Disney California Adventure in California. So, so I knew that
3: was coming. I didn't know they mm-hmm. were ready to premiere.
2: Yep, those will open on the seventeenth of June.
3: Fantastic!
2: So it's it's you know we've had uh, Soren over California for you know ever since California Adventure opened we've had it for wow fifteen years now and I love it every time so I'm really excited to see how Soren's going to be or Soren around the world is going to be different from Soren over California. Obviously, we're going to see a lot more landmarks. I know we'll see the you know the Chinese Wall, we'll see Paris and each of the movies each of these films actually has a different ending specific to the location where the film is going to be shown so in you know in shanghai it's going to be a chinese ending in florida it's going to involve walt disney world and in uh, california it's going to involve something similar to the end of the previous soaring over california with a shot over main street in disneyland
3: Oh, so now you have to go to all the parks to see the Sora.
2: Exactly.
3: Uh, See, and I never got to see the original other than some YouTube videos, and uh, there is a great website um, where they've taken Minecraft and they've built Walt Disney World, and you can kind of virtually ride Sora, and they did a really good job of it. And I cannot think of the name of the website right now, but uh, Behind the Magic likes every Friday to go in there, and uh, they do stream it on on, uh, Twitch, is it? It might be on Twitch, but they Mm -hmm. do broadcast live, so y'all should check it out. Behind the Magic, I believe uh, you can find them, I think it's like btm.com. We do have a link on our website if you go and check it out, but uh, they do some things with that, and they're the ones that brought me in. Uh, And it's a wonderful recreation of Walt Disney World, and that's the closest orin that I've really gotten, because when I was in Epcot, we missed it entirely, and I feel Mm -hmm. terrible about that.
2: Hey, we're going to do all we can to get you out to California here one of these days.
3: Well, when I finish my, my bachelor's degree and I get my good-paying job and I kind of clear up some debts, oh, believe me, I'm going to come out there every year if I can. Mm-hmm. My wife is going to look at me funny, but we got to go. Definitely. Oh, but there's something else coming out June 28th, and I'm sure you've heard about this. TCM presents Treasures from the Disney Vault again oh, Tuesday yes. night, June 28th, mm-hmm. starting at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So it's actually earlier and then because before you it's like you was starting at 10 or 11 and they've shown overnight and you're like but
2: I have to sleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, well, that, so that's where DVR, DVR comes in very handy. <laughs> right.
3: So, so I end up DVRing all these things. Uh, but oh my goodness, uh, this is really great. They're going to show flowers and trees the first like well, I mean there had been some mild colors but this was this was the expansion of like I think this was was this Technicolor at this time? Yes, yes, and were Walt you know, and he won an Oscar for this. Mm-hmm. And I, I I don't know that I've ever seen Flowers and Trees. I really may have.
2: Really? I may have
3: seen it, but I don't remember.
2: You know, um, it's it's been shown several times on the Disney Channel. It uh, it was featured on the uh, Silly Symphonies uh, two DVD set that uh, was part of the Walt Disney Presents collection with mm. uh, Leonard Maltin. Um, it's you know it it is what it is. It's
3: it's something I want to see along with the Pied Piper animated mm-hmm. short, which I think I did see once, but I very vaguely remember. But then of of the shorts, and I'm I'm going for the shorts first because I love them. The one of my favorites, the Band Concert, Mickey's oh, yes. first appearance in color. I love that cartoon, and I do mm-hmm. have a DVD of it, but I love it so I'm excited they're going to show it just because I'm going to sit and watch it again. Any excuse to watch it. And I mean, it's, it's, it's such a great classic that they even made a ride in Disneyland. Or is it the California Adventure? But either way, there's a ride based off of it. How cool mm-hmm. is this? <laughs> and then a couple other movies. Uh, this is great. Are you a fan of Don Knotts? Oh, of course. Of course you are. Because if you wasn't, we would have to reach through the microphone and slap you and say, how can you not love Don Knotts? <laughs> Hot, Lead and Cold Feet, which I actually did not mm-hmm. realize was a Disney film. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're going to show it. It's listed at 2.15 a.m., so set your DVRs, because actually where it all begins is going to be with the Parent Trap. That's what will start it off at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, which, funnily enough, I have never actually seen. This is the old Haley Mills, not uh, what's-her-name. We won't even mention her name because she's crazy. <laughs> but Haley Mills was always cool. Uh, but this is the original Haley Mills Parent Trap from 1961, which I haven't seen because my, my parents uh, would, would rent it, but I didn't care because, it, oh, it's a Disney movie that's not a cartoon, so I didn't really pay attention. I didn't think it was my thing. It took me a while before I actually sat down and watched Mary Poppins, and then, of course, that one just blew my mind. Mm. Yeah, so, but I well, never actually sat and watched The Parent Trap. So.
2: Well, make sure you catch the very beginning because it is animation. It's all stuff, motion, paper yep. animation.
3: I do remember that much of it. <laughs> But, but I think t- all, the only parts I remember is the two girls, or the, well, the two, the girl who's actually played by the same girl, go to mm-hmm. camp, realize they look like each other, and then fight, and then suddenly they're not fighting, and I, that was where I, whatever, you know.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, definitely stick around for the Sherman Brothers music.
3: Well, of course,
1: With, because let's it's get together. Sherman Brothers, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Which I actually do have uh, uh, some copies I got from the library of a Sherman Brothers collection. And I just thought, oh, thank you for letting me check this out of the library and put it on my computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are there any news items that we need to jump into and talk about
2: real fast? Well, let's see, I'm trying to think of anything, and unfortunately nothing's coming right to mind. That doesn't mean that there isn't anything out there, though.
3: Yep. Well, this is everything, that at least that I have found, that I thought was significant that I figured we better mention, that uh, hopefully somebody didn't already know about, and this is new for them, so you're very excited to hear it. Uh, but I think it's time to uh, jump into the trailer park.
2: Mama, now the gator got in the house. Now the gator?
0: Oh. Give me that shovel. Come here. Oh. Oh. Get him, off. Oh. Get that gator. Ah. Ah. The Neverland Trailer Park.
1: At 6 p.m. yesterday evening, you were executed
0: and pronounced dead. You no longer exist. What kind of prison is this? It's not a prison.
1: You're about to enter the Animus. What you're about to see, hear, and feel are the memories of your ancestor, who has been dead for 500 years. your past. Welcome to the Spanish Inquisition.
0: I am a God, even though I'm a man of God. My whole life in the hand of God, so y'all better quit playing with God.
2: Okay, uh, have you ever played any of these Assassin's Creed games? Yeah, I've started playing the very first one um, and got stuck. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
3: I did see that they were available for cheap if you buy a pre-owned copy in some places. I just Mm -hmm. wasn't going to have time to play it, uh, so I didn't pick it up when I saw it. Uh, But I did play, I think it was Brotherhood, a little bit over at a friend's house. And really, I didn't know what I was doing. I just ran around and was laughing at myself because I was just running around tackling people because I, I didn't know what I was trying to do. Other than says, oh, go find this person. I guess there was a map pointing me in that direction, but I was just tackling people and laughing because I thought it was so funny that I could just randomly tackle people in the street because I'm sick and twisted that way. <laughs> but so now, Michael Fassbender is in a movie.
2: Yes. Yes, it's good to see Magneto getting some uh, other work.
3: Yeah, and... Uh, I, uh, granted, I thought he was pretty good before, but uh, in X Men Apocalypse, I don't know. I it, 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 I think it really showed his uh, his acting ability. I mean, he's really a good top notch actor. Mm-hmm. I, I got to give him some credit. So normally with this, I'll be like casually thinking, "Oh, well, you know, it's a video game movie that might be good. I've never played it, but you know, I don't know." But was seeing Michael Fassbender as their lead character gets me excited. That is almost as cool as having. My mind just went a blank for Doctor Strange.
2: <laughs> oh, Benedict Cumberbatch.
3: Yes. That's almost as cool as having Benedict Cumberbatch playing Doctor Strange. So that to me is the main thing going for it because I'm not familiar with the game, so I'm not pretty excited. And normally, you know, video games have a history of bad movies despite the fact that video games are now like miniature movies. Well, not really miniature. They're like 20-hour movies, some of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Now there's so much story and stuff going on in video games that it's becoming – I think it's a, it's a good time for games to try to get adapted to the big screen. And I think they they did a pretty good job in the trailer for they give you just a little bit of dialogue and the rest is all by music, which I don't know if their music choice really fit the visuals mm-hmm. for this trailer. But it is a lot of interesting action that I think does the job of really getting people who excited about this type of thing if they were fans
2: of the games. What do you oh, think? Oh, yeah oh definitely but i'll tell you i'm still holding out for that uncharted game or uncharted movie
3: yes because I, I keep hearing talk and I'm even talking about uh you know the same game manufacturer working on left or not left for dead but uh, the last of us mhm uh, although I would say that movie is going to be a lot grittier and darker and, uh, yeah <laughs> than Uncharted would be. Uh, but, yeah, I, I'm very excited for the potential this has. But in order for something like that to really move, uh, we need a movie to do really well based off a video game, uh, which would include, I don't know, Warcraft?
0: Do you know who Maui
3: is? Only the greatest demigod in all the Pacific Islands.
0: With his magical fishhook, he slowed down the sun, pulled islands out of the sea, battled monsters. And I should know, because I'm Maui. Hey, let me do this, please.
2: Ah-hoo!
0: Nothing? Really? What's a demigod gotta do?
4: We we are explorers reading every sign. We tell the stories of our elders in a never-ending jail.
3: So Moana had a teaser that uh, I don't know if it was supposed to get released online, but it's been popping around. Mm -hmm.
2: And, in fact, uh, I'm pretty sure that this is the UK-based teaser that we've seen.
3: Hmm, Could be uh, international there. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I haven't – I got my copy of Zootopia. I haven't gotten to look to see if maybe it's on Zootopia on the Blu-ray uh, I'll have to dig around because what I did is I got my unlock code for my Disney movies anywhere, and uh, we were just watched it digitally at this time, so I haven't seen it's on there. Uh, but yeah, the music. Okay, and you were just telling me about this. Uh, there's a musical called Hamilton, Mm-hmm. and it's uh, the same guy.
2: Yeah, same composer, uh, Lin Manuel. And I've just completely blanked out on his last name.
3: <laughs> Uh, but it's a really well, you know, and it looks in the, the teaser here that lists uh, about three different people who worked on music, and you get to hear a sample of it in the teaser, and it's really good. Hmm. Hmm.
2: Well, and it's got a good pedigree behind it. Uh, it's uh, directed by Ron Clements and John Musker. You know, they did mm-hmm. Little Mermaid, they did Aladdin, they did Princess and the Frog. They've got and a great awesome. track record. <laughs> exactly, Ron and John.
3: Ron and John. Yeah. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson uh, as Maui, I always, as soon as I heard it, I thought it was great casting. It just sounded like something good. And it sounds like he's going to be a lot of fun as this Maui character. hmm uh, mm-hmm. And it's a very funny trailer. Uh, t- t- most of the uh, fun of it you can't really hear, but if you see it visually, it's he's twirling around this giant like bone-looking hook thing fish and hook, doing all yeah. kinds of tricks with it. Like, Yeah, it looks like a fish hook, big giant bone thing or whatever. And he does all this amazing stuff with it. And then it cuts over. There's Maui sitting there with this, or not Maui, but Moana sitting there with this pig, and they're just staring at him like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> <laughs> and I actually laughed out loud at that. It's 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 not really a nude type of joke, but it was just funny.
1: Hmm. Uh,
3: but definitely, oh, I was excited about this movie before, but now I'm like, oh, that's really going to be great. I'm excited even
2: more. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely. You know, um, Maui, there, there's a tiki of Maui at the Enchanted Tiki Room in Disneyland. Nothing like this character, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to see if there's going to be some crossover potential there uh, at the uh, Tiki Room in Disneyland or at the um, the version that's in uh, Disney World.
3: Yeah. Well, and speaking of Tiki Room, and this is something we probably should have talked about during the news segment. Oh, but- yeah! The Enchanted Tiki Room's getting a comic book.
2: It is, you know, and Disney has been, you know, doing really well with these uh, attraction, these Magic Kingdom books that they've come out with. They've done uh, Museum of the Weird. They've done Big Thunder Mountain. They've had two separate Figment series. They're right in the middle of the Haunted Mansion series. So now they've got the uh, Enchanted Tiki Room coming up. It's going to be kind of a, a history of how... This room this building came to be, and why there's gods, and why there's tikis in there, and why the birds sing. it's and, gonna and be-, be a
3: great way to tie it into Moana, I'm sure
2: oh, I'm certain of that,
3: <laughs> so that's why, of course we can talk about it now with Moana because I you know Disney's good at cross promotion <laughs> mm-hmm. so oh, most definitely, so that's be the perfect story because you can get it bring in Maui and all these other different little tiki guys that are around the enchanted tiki room to. Bring about these singing, talking plants and birds and everything like that. Because the oh. birds sing words and the flowers croon. In the tiki-tiki-tiki-tiki-tiki room. <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> uh, do you happen to know when that is coming out offhand? Uh, I know that it's uh, scheduled for release late this year.
3: Alrighty, So we will be looking for that one. It'll be fantastic.
2: And that's uh, two Disney Disney animated feature releases coming out this year.
3: To oh, because Moana is scheduled for this year, right? Yes. Yeah, and, and we've we had already, Zootopia. Was, was Zootopia at the end of 2015, though? No, Zootopia,
2: that, that was 2016. It really
3: was. Wow, my yeah. goodness, they're really pumping them out. And we've got Finding Dory coming next week. Exactly. So, Wow, they're they're just giving us some good quality animation this year. Thank you, Disney and Pixar. Wait, we've but, got uh, a new
2: movie coming out next week? Finding
3: Dory, yes.
2: Wait, we've got a new movie coming out next week? Yes, we do. We do what?
3: We have a new movie coming out next week. Finding oh, Dory. A
2: new movie coming out next week. Finding Dory. Is yeah. that a sequel to anything? Uh, I think well, I'm running I ran this joke know. into the
3: ground. It, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's you know after we looked for Waldo, we found Waldo. Uh, they, his friend Dory somewhere. I got turned into a fish, and I think I don't know if it's a sequel to the Where's Waldo books or a sequel to the of <laughs> uh, uh, Mister Limpet. Because uh, you know, Mr. Limpet got turned into a fish, and Dory jumped in the water to go and find him.
2: Well, you um, know where you can find Mr. Limpet nowadays.
3: Uh, apparently, making an, a, an appearance in the Little Mermaid. I saw somebody uh, actually show that where you can find one of the fishes wearing glasses in the final shot of Under the Sea, where all the fish are kind of pointing at where Ariel had been, and well, apparently, Mr. Limpet's in there. But that's well, a different he, thing.
2: He's actually in the, the attraction at uh, Disneyland. Which attraction? California be? Adventure in the Little Mermaid uh, Voyage. Really? Yes.
3: That's interesting. Now, see,
2: uh, now the Mr. Limpet movie was not a Disney film, was it? No, it was not. Not by any means. But it starred...
3: Don Knotts. Exactly. So, and he did a lot of work for Disney. So, well, it's it's close enough. So, enough uh,
2: of a tangent.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you got to sit down and talk with uh, Adrian Robb.
2: Yes, I did. Um, For those of you who don't know, Adrian has been a... uh, one of the lead story artists with uh, Disney Infinity. And we are going to be sitting down and talking with him about Disney Infinity very soon. Uh, But uh, this week he's actually... uh, I I talked with him just after the Phoenix Comic-Con. He's going to be at the Denver Comic-Con coming up this uh, next weekend. That's the... uh, Whatever this uh, weekend is. The 17th of June, I believe. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, he's actually uh, got a... uh, did several stories, did some artwork, and uh, worked on uh, Pink Panther number one, which was just released this week by American Mythology Comics.
3: Oh, and I haven't picked that up yet. I didn't know if it was released this week or it was coming soon. Yep, or. yep. Just
2: I came do out. have
3: I do have the number zero. I haven't gotten to read yet from Free Comic Book Day, and I grabbed it just because you know, I had seen some stuff where he had drawn the cover and stuff. So I was like, <gasps> Yay! Mm-hmm.
2: But so. uh, you know, the interview. Uh, yep, you know, here we go. Here it is. Hello Neverlanders, this is Lost Boy Eric, also known as Retlaw, coming in from a car in Phoenix, Arizona, and seated right next to me is artist extraordinaire, Adrian Rop. Adrian, could you please say hi? Hi! Very good. I appreciate that directness. <laughs> now, uh Adrian is, has been a story artist with Disney for the past eight years. He's also building up a very strong resume uh, in the comic book industry. Uh, Adrian's actually just uh, had a book released this last week, The Pink Panther
1: Number 1. That's right, and it's got several covers. One of them is mine, and I have a story inside. All right. Uh, just, just so we can have an idea, what does the cover look like? It's a, a sunken treasure cover, and the little man that's always being uh, annoyed by Pink Panther has a, is underwater opening it, and Pink Panther's inside of it taking a shower. Aha! Uh-huh. So, good gag to start off with. That's right. So, what attracted
2: you to uh, work, well, what what kind of stories are you doing with the Pink Panther?
1: So, I'm, I'm uh, doing some Pink Panther stories, and I'm also, they've given me a chance to work with the side characters from the animated series. So I'm doing a lot of uh, Ant and the Yardvark stories and a couple of other things coming up that I can't talk about just yet, but some of the other characters I'm giving some stories to as well. All right, so what is it that uh, appeals to you about the Pink Panther and the Ant and the Yardvark? Um, so Pink Panther is kind of fun because it reminds me a lot of like Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin, the old silent movie comedians. And uh, so it's fun to figure out how to tell a story with him with no words. And then at the Yardvark, I think there's just a nostalgia from watching the show that I just really love. Well, that's good. That's, that's pretty cool. Now, um, you know, I, I remember the
2: Pink Panther having a voice at some time, didn't he? Yes, he's had a voice several
1: times. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> the less I, said
2: about Matt Frewer, the
1: best. Yeah, I think he's. I think he works better as a silent character. Okay. So and you know
2: there really is a rich history with you know looking at Buster Keaton and the silent comedies, you know, and just uh, you know with comic book being such a, a visual medium.
1: Yes, uh, it's what, what's great about comics that that is similar to film is that you can find a way using the panels of the comic book to pace the action when you don't use dialogue. So you can actually sort of make it feel like a certain amount of time has passed so that your visual gags can land correctly. And uh, the, that timing is absolutely essential. Yes. See, if I had said yes 10 seconds later, that would have been worse. Timing is everything. I see. Good example. <laughs> now, uh,
2: you've all, but uh, Pink Panther, isn't the only comic book work that you've been involved with
1: recently, is it? No, I've also worked on The Three Stooges and Archie Comics. I just uh, recently did my first story for Archie Comics, but I do a lot of the uh, the Digest cover jokes as well. So what's involved in doing that? So I'll sketch up uh, the joke and do like a layout of it and submit it. And if they like it, they give it to the, the penciler to do the final... Uh, classic look art So um, so who's doing who's providing this final art then? Uh, three artists mainly uh, Bill Galvin who's a good friend of mine Dan Parent who I think most would consider the most prolific current Archie artist and Fernando Ruiz In fact I believe that uh, Fernando doesn't do anything for Archie anymore and his last cover was one of my jokes Ah cool, very cool Now
2: um, this, this this is the classic style of Archie. This is not the... Uh... It's not the reboot, yeah. Okay. It's it's the what they call house style. Gotcha. And so, you know, if, if we're looking for any of these books, uh, we're looking for the Digests, That's right? That's right. Yeah, they're all in the Digests. Okay. What is it about Archie that really appeals
1: to you? Well, I've read Archie since I was little. I used to... When my family would go on road trips, every time we'd stop at a gas station... I'd uh, beg my parents to let me get a, a dar- an Archie digest and I'd read it cover to cover about a hundred times and I just always had fond memories for me so I, I grew up with the characters and when I had an opportunity to contribute to their fiction, I couldn't pass it up. Oh cool you know and, and
2: Archie really does have a rich history and really a wide variety of books that they've done over the years. I mean everything from uh, Jughead as a time cop that's
1: right yeah to um, Archie's RC Racers. That's right. There's uh, Faculty Funnies in exactly. which all of the teachers got superpowers like the Fantastic Four. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, you know, and the, of course, there's the other titles like Sabrina the Teenage Witch and Josie and the Pussycats that are a lot of fun. And they just have a little slight different flavor. But the universe is very big and very rich. Yeah. And, and Archie Archie's really been around
2: since, what, the 30s? Yeah. Late 30s, I believe. So, you know, yeah, definitely a lot
1: of history, a lot of... Uh, a lot of background Yes, to draw from. So just like with uh, my work on Disney, it's it's a bit of, it has a very rich legacy. And so I think it's important to respect that legacy when you're adding to it. And that's been fun. Well, how did that legacy tie into the story that you wrote? Well, I had a bucket list of things I wanted to do if I ever got to work at Archie. One of them was I wanted to write a story with all five of the main characters, Archie, Jughead veronica betty and reggie i wanted to do something that included hot dog jughead's dog and i wanted to do something at uh, pop's chocolate shop and my first story i was able to get all of those things in so i was very excited all right excellent now um, where can we find this story what uh, digest does it happen to be so be it's in the current uh jughead with archie spring annual i can't think of the number off the top of my head but it has uh, Jughead and Archie jumping on a trampoline on the cover. Okay. Uh, Is there a place where we can find the work that you've been doing? Yes you can go to my website chimchum.com. I keep a running tally of my uh, comic work and my film and video game work. Okay. And I even post the covers for the comics with a link to where to buy them. All right, excellent. So that's ChimChum.com? That's correct, and that's where my webcomic, ChimChum, is also located. Well, what's your webcomic about? It's about a a fat, balding samurai and his little sidekick fox named ChimChum, and it's actually based on me and my cat. But your cat's not balding. Uh, that's true. So I had to switch it to me. Ah. So what... uh... Are these uh, multi-panel comics? Is there an overall story? They're single-panel gags, kind of like uh, Dennis the Menace. And uh, there's you can see a lot of influences for, from things like Calvin and Hobbes and Peanuts and even a little bit of Garfield. So it's just kind of... Uh, love letter to the things I enjoy about comic strips. Oh, cool. So, it's about a samurai,
2: so should we have any uh, education about Japanese culture going into this?
1: Um, that would make you more knowledgeable than I am about the whole... It's very loose and non-historically accurate. It's just really fun. Okay. Uh, And any plans to expand upon what you're doing with Chim Chum at all? Maybe a longer story, or... I've worked on a longer story. It hasn't uh, gelled like I wanted to yet there is a chance, I have other characters that I'm developing into longer stories that are going to feel more like a graphic novel that looks like a Disney animated feature, a hand-drawn Disney animated feature and uh, I don't know where we'll see where we'll go but uh, Chim Chum just kind of tells me what he wants me to draw and that's what happens
2: Alright Now, could you tell us a little bit about
1: your background? I know that you've been in the animation industry for a couple of decades. That's right, I've just finished up uh, celebrating my 22nd year in the industry. Um, I started on some smaller video game stuff and I worked on a feature called The Princess and the Pea, which was a musical directed by Mark Swan, who was an old Don Bluth story artist. And then uh, I I did the animation directing for the follow-up Velveteen Rabbit, which is a live-action animation blend. And after that, I went to go work for Disney Interactive on the Disney Infinity video game series. Oh, cool. So, why did you choose to become an animator, of all things? Well, when I saw The Jungle Book when I was six, I, I thought to myself, I don't know how to do that, but that's what I want to do. And I pretty much just absorbed whatever I could find about animation. It, it wasn't until... I was actually working as assistant uh, for the first time that I realized that the story artist and the directing was more my flavor and not the animation. The animation is beautiful and I love the acting abilities of all the artists, but it is a lot of work to draw that many frames and keep track of things and really honestly it's a dying art at this point. So what advice would you give to anyone who would like
2: to get into the animation industry at this time?
1: Um, are you crazy? No, i would say uh you know kind of figure out what part what parts of that discipline you're really into and study life drawing and acting study cinematography uh writing anything that is about telling a story is a discipline that you can utilize to great effect in an animation career okay now uh
2: Are you going to be out and about anywhere anytime soon where people can come and meet you, or how
1: can we find you online? Um, So I'll be appearing next at Denver Comic-Con June 17th through the 19th in Denver at the convention center, where I will have a double table for the first time. I'll be selling both my prints and one table dedicated to just entirely uh, framed original art. Oh, wow. What kind of art do you do? Uh, A lot of... uh, ink and copic and watercolor characters. I do things that are inspired by my favorite films. I do original characters, just things that I think are cute and fun. And they're definitely all ages appropriate and uh, they're really great for families.
2: Is there um, any particular characters that your customers gravitate towards?
1: I have a lot of people that I uh, really like Wonder Woman and Alice in Wonderland. Those seem to be really popular right now, and Harley Quinn I think is popular everywhere right now. So I try to do what I can to make sure they have something. I, and you said that this is family friendly? Absolutely family friendly. I know how to redesign any character so that it's appropriate for a kid. Mm, I might have a few commissions to take you up on with that one. That's right. I- <laughs> I'll take them. Now, if if, if someone does want a commission, how can they get in touch with you? The best way is to go to my website, ChimChim.com, and there is a link there to go to my Etsy shop where you can order a commission, and the prices are pretty straightforward. Uh, If you don't want to do that, you can find the link to my email address on there, and you can just ask me directly. I'm happy to talk to you about it. So, um, how many items do you have at any given time on Etsy? Right now it's pretty low, but, uh, usually I have a dozen or so. And, and are all these, um, like regular commission work?
2: Are they, you, you said something about framed art earlier? They're,
1: they're my books in my webcomic and, uh, mostly original artwork options. The, the prints, I only do at conventions. Oh, okay. So, um, also do you have any, uh, ways that people can support your work? Absolutely. I just set up a Patreon account, patreon.com backslash and uh, there you can donate a little bit of money to support me each month uh, to continue to make my art. And as a reward, I will send you every month an exclusive 5x7 art prints that won't be available to other people. Mm. Uh, And if you choose a slightly higher level of donation, you can even Saved for a commission drawing that I'll do of whatever character you'd like. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. So, um, wh- how, where does where does the level start at? It uh, starts at four dollars. For that level, you get the postcard every month, mm-hmm. and uh, and then there's a six dollar option. You get two postcards, and they're mailed in a nice envelope instead of just postcard style. And then at twelve dollars, you get the two postcards plus every six months you get a full color character commission. And it kind of just goes up from there. I'm even offering uh, two 30-minute Skype sessions for people who would like to do some tutorials or training about cartooning or story. and uh, Or there's also uh, some, some video things I can offer. But, but essentially, it's uh, the prints and upgrades to original art and upgrades to training videos okay. and training Skype sessions. It right, sounds great. Now, um, you know
2: we we. I know a lot of people are, you know, upset with the cl- closure of uh, Disney Infinity. Is there any way that we might be able to talk
1: with you a little bit later about uh, your experience with Disney Infinity? I think that would be something we could arrange for sure. I, I I'm pretty busy until about the middle of july but after that i'd love to talk more about that it was a it was a project that was very near and dear to a lot of our hearts and we we left everything on the field when we made that game we put everything we could into it and i i'm so i'm so honored that so many people love it that i'm willing to have conversations about it as long as you want to all right excellent well we'll look forward to that uh so again we can reach you through chimchum.com
2: do you have any other social media sites uh yes i do i'm on
1: facebook twitter instagram tumblr uh reddit DVN art. but everything you want well you can go to chimchum.com and there's a links page right on the front page and it can take you to any of the social media Okay, alright, well
2: Adrian, thank you for taking time out of your day to talk with us and uh, certainly invite everyone to go out there and find ChimChum.com and if you can help support Adrian through Patreon, I'm sure that would be greatly appreciated, especially now Thanks so much, it's great to be here All right. Thank you oh! There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see,
1: yeah, we're gonna be a movie
3: Starring everybody And me Boy, I wish I were you people seeing this for the first
4: time Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken All good
0: We have had peace in these lands
4: for many years now But one of our villages burned tonight
0: War is coming An invasion
1: If we do not unite to fight this enemy, our world will perish. Saving the world is not a one-man job. We fight together or we die together. You'll have me to
0: protect you. I need no one to protect me. Well then. They're stronger. Be smarter. Yeah. This war will destroy us
1: all. But together, we might stand a chance.
0: Whatever you plan to do, do it now! <laughs>
3: Okay, so I took some time to go see the new Warcraft movie. Uh, Before I dive into it, I wanted to get a little bit into the history of the Warcraft game franchise. Now, I do vaguely remember, I mean, it was a long time ago since I first played... uh, I probably played uh, Warcraft 2 first. Uh, But it was basically a real-time strategy game. It was, for those of you that uh, maybe never played any of those, but you probably on your phone have played an app that is what we now call base building Uh, It was similar to that. You would choose either to be orcs or humans. You would build a base. uh, You would build different types of armies. Uh, You had to have farms to support uh, your troops and your workers. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. And you had different kind of sayings. You know, the uh, orcs would be ready to work. You know, when you had a worker you just made. And, you know, they would respond to a command. Zug, zug. You know, goofy kind of things. It was a bit silly. Uh, And it was a, a lot of fun. I never actually completed anything. I don't know if I really even did much with story mode. It was just mainly fun to... To do the uh, single-player you know, type of things, you know, to, to just have a little map set up where you know somewhere they, you have enemy troops in there, and you would go after them. Uh, but there was a storyline. Uh, it's pretty light uh, to the first uh, Warcraft game, uh, and I've taken this directly from the Wikipedia pages. But it says the orcs originated from another world, Draenor, where the orcs, once a peaceful race, gone bloodthirsty from the blood of a pit lord. However, their warlocks remaining aloof devoted their time to the research of magic. The warlocks noticed a rift between the dimensions and, after many years, opened a small portal to another world. One warlock explored and found a region whose whose human inhabitants called it Azeroth from which the warlock returned with strange plants as evidence of his discovery. The orcs enlarged the portal until they could transport seven warriors who massacred a human village. The raiding party brought back samples of good food and fine workmanship and report that the humans were defenseless. The orcs' raiding parties grew larger and bolder until they assaulted Azroth's principal castle. However, the humans had been training warriors of their own, especially the mounted, heavily armed knights. These, assisted by human swords gradually forced the orcs to retreat through the portal, which the humans had not discovered. For the next fifteen years, one faction of orcs demanded that the portal be closed. However, a chief of exceptional cunning realized that the humans, although outnumbered, had prevailed through the use of superior tactics, organization, and by magic. He united the clans, imposed discipline on their army, and sought new magics from the warlocks and necromancers. Their combined forces were ready to overthrow the humans." And that's pretty much where the game picks up, is you have the uh, now newly organized orcs, and of course the organized humans, and uh, you can kind of control. Uh, and there was kind of a boom of this style of game, really, back in the uh, the kind of mid to late 1990s. I was really a fan of uh, Command & Conquer Red Alert, uh, which, back on the old PlayStation, you could connect a couple of PlayStations together with two different TVs, and you could do some multiplayer with your friends on uh, Command & Conquer. Now, I don't know that Warcraft ever made a console game. Uh, Blizzard, of course, has made some console games, but uh Warcraft, I don't think they've ever done anything on a console that I've ever seen. It's mainly been on PC. Uh, but they they did sell pretty well with Warcraft, and so they did a Warcraft 2. Uh, this is, of course, Ties of Darkness uh, was the subheading on this, with which they did a, a second Warcraft 2 game. But I think most of it, uh, the storyline uh, is here. Once again, also from Wikipedia, it says uh, the first war brought the fall of Azeroth following the Orc campaign in Warcraft, Orcs, and Humans. The survivors of Azeroth have fled by sea to the human kingdom of Lord arun and the Orcs have decided to conquer Lord Aron in what is known as the Second War. Both sides have acquired allies and new capabilities, including naval and air units and more powerful skill spellcasters. In the Second War, the Orcs are successful at first, but the humans and allies take the initiative helped by two civil wars among the orcs at the final battle around the dark portal in azeroth the alliance exterminates one orc clan and captures the orc supreme commander with the remnants of t- the remnants of his forces hoping to avoid avoid further invasions the alliance destroys the portal now this like i said this is the one that I remember playing and you did have some fun things you had gnomes that would build these really kind of neat like uh like, well, a blimp, kind of. A, way. a blimp with, a, like, a boat type of thing. You know, you had these kind of fun gizmos the gnomes would make uh, and different kind of weapons. They had different ones. Uh, you'd have elves that you could have on your team. And so it, it became more expansive. And this, like I said, this is the first one I ever played with, and I had fun just messing around. Uh, but there is more here. Uh, through the portal, it says, After the Second War, the Alliance lost the allegiance of the Elves who thought the Alliance had not done enough to defend the Elves' home and of two human kingdoms which advocated exterminating the remaining Orcs rather than keeping them in captivity. One Orc clan that had fought in the Second War's final battle was unaccounted for. Although the Dark Portal had been destroyed, a tear in reality hovered over the ruin. A few years later, the portal and rift were hidden by a strange darkness, and there were the sounds of hundreds of warriors rushing away through the rift, followed by shrieking dragons, and finally by the repeating phrase, we will return. When the darkness lifted, Alliance scouts found the ground around the portal trampled to mud. Apparently, the elusive Orc clan had escaped to their race's homeworld, Draenor. The greatest orc shaman led an army from Draenor into Azeroth, apparently hoping to steal magical artifacts with which to create further portals. The Alliance, expecting an attack, sent through the portal an army led by the Alliance's supreme commander. Its greatest heroes and the mage who had destroyed the Azeroth portal, it seems they destroyed the counterpart of the Azeroth portal, but it is not known whether they forced escape from Draenor. Well, then you had a Warcraft 3 game, which I never got to play this one. I did see a little bit of a story mode. It uh, seemed to change up some of the gameplay, uh, but like I said, I didn't ever play it. I just saw a little bit. Uh, In Warcraft 3, it takes place in the fictional world of Azeroth, like the other ones. Uh, Several years before the events of the games, a demon army known as the Burning Legion. Now this is important. Uh, intent on Azeroth's destruction corrupted a race called the Orcs and sent them through a portal to attack Azeroth. After many years of fighting, the Orcs were defeated by a coalition of humans, dwarves, and elves known as the Alliance. The surviving combatants were herded into internment camps, where they seemed to lose their lust for battle. With no common enemy, a period of peace followed, but the Alliance began to fracture. The events of Warcraft three offered... Occur after a time skip from Warcraft 2. This period was originally intended to have been documented in Warcraft Adventures, but that game was cancelled in mid development. Uh, and I'm finding some similarities from here uh, to the film, which I'm going to talk to in a bit. I just thought it would be helpful to get into some of the story of the games. Uh, but here's a really long section about the plot of Warcraft 3. The game's plot is told entirely through cinematics and cutscenes, with additional information found in the Warcraft 3 manual, which a lot of these games did that, like Diablo, if you ever played that on the PC, and probably Diablo 2 and 3, I didn't really get a hold of those ones. But there was these long stories that you could sit there and read that manual, but after a while you're just like, can I just play the game now? Uh, So I never actually read the whole thing (laughs) with Diablo. Uh, But the campaign itself is divided into five sections which the first acting as a tutorial and the others telling the story from the point of view of the humans of Lord Aaron, the Undead Scourge, the Orcs, the Night Elves, uh, in that order. The game opens with the Orc leader Thrall, walking from a nightmare, warning him of the return of the Burning Legion. After a brief encounter with a man who is known only as the Prophet, and fearing that his dream was more of a vision than a nightmare, he leads his forces in an exodus from Lord Aaron to the Forgotten Lands of Kalimdor. Meanwhile, the paladin and prince of Lord Aaron Arthas defends the village of Strawnbrad Brad, well, probably Strongbrad, from demon-controlled orcs. He then joins archmage Jaina Proudmore, who aids him in investigating a rapidly spreading plague which kills and turns human victims into the undead. Arthas kills the plague's originator, Kelthuzad, and then purges the infected city of Stratholm. Yes, these names are crazy. Uh, Jaina parts ways with him, unwilling to commit genocide or even watch him do so. The Prophet, after previously trying to convince other human leaders to flee west, begs Jaina to go to Kalimdor as well. Arthas pursues the dreadlord Malganus, who was the leader behind the Kel'Thuzad, to the icy continent of Northrend, where he helps his old friend Muradin Bronzebeard in finding par- a powerful sword called Frostmorn. Meanwhile, Arthas begins to lose his sanity after hearing his forces have been recalled by the Emissary. Unwilling to return, he has mercenaries burn his own ships to prevent his men from retreating, then betrays the mercenaries and his men, kill them, much to Muradin's disgust. Arthas and Muradin eventually find Frostmourne. Muradin, however, learns that the sword is cursed. Arthas disregards the warning and offers his soul to gain the sword. By doing so, Muradin is struck down by a shard of ice when Frostmourne is released and is presumably killed. Arthas supposedly kills Malganess and abandons his men in the frozen north as his soul is stolen by the blade, which was later revealed to be forged by the Lich King. Sometime later, Arthas returns to Lord Eren and kills his father, King Terenus. Now, an undead knight, or undead Death Knight, Arthas meets with the leader of the Dread Lords, Tyndryus, who assigns him a series of tests. Arthas first exhumes the remains of Kel'Thuzad and contains the. In- and contains them in the magic urn that holds the ashes of his father, which was protected by Uthor the Lightbringer, head paladin of the Order of the Silver Hand, as well as Arthas' former mentor and close friend. Arthas kills him too, then sets off to Quethalas, kingdom of the High Elves. He then later attacks the gates and destroys their capital of Silvermoon. He kills Sylvanus Windrunner, the ranger general of Silvermoon, only to resurrect her as a banshee. Corrupts their sacred sunwell, and revives Kel'Thuzad as a Lich. The Lich, or Lich, I think it might be a Lich. I don't know. (laughs) The Lich informs him of the Burning Legion, a vast demonic army who are coming to consume the world. Kel'Thuzad's true master is the Lich King, who was created to aid the Legion with his undead scourge, but in truth, he wishes for the Legion to be destroyed. Arthas and Kel'Thuzad open a dimensional portal and summon the demon Archimonde and the Burning Legion, who begins his purging of Lord Aaron and the destruction of Dalaran. Arthas and Kelthazud are cast aside by Arch- Archimonde, Are you keeping track of all these people? I'm not. And Kelthazud reveals to Arthas that the Lich King has already foreseen it and is planning to overthrow the Burning Legion. Thrall, the Warchief, arrives in Kalimdor. Now remember, he was head of the Orcs. Uh, he meets Karen Bloodhoof and the Tauren. Uh, the Tauren were like big, uh, bull, kind of cow-looking guys that are part of the Horde. Uh, but he meets Karen Cair- Bloodhoof of the Tauren and clashes with a human expedition on the way to find an oracle. Meanwhile, the Warsong clan are left behind in Ashenvale to build a permanent settlement, but anger the Night Elves and their demigod Cenaris by cutting down the forest for resources. To defeat them... The Warsong leader Grom Hellscream drinks from a corrupted fountain of health contaminated with the blood of the Legion's pit lord, Commander man successfully killing Cenaris, but binding his clan to the Legion's control. Thrall manages to reach the Oracle, and in fact, the prophet who tells of Grom's doings. Following the prophet's directions, Thrall and Jaina join forces to purge both Grom and the world of demonic influence. They succeed in capturing Grom and healing him of Manoroth's corruption. Thrall and Grom begin to hunt Manoroth, and Grom kills him, dying in the process. But in doing so, freeing the orcs from the demonic control of Manoroth at last. Thrall tells the lifeless Grom that he freed them all and lets out a piercing roar, alerting Jaina and Cairn to Grom's death. Tyrand Whisperwind, leader of the Night Elves, is outraged to find the humans and orcs violating the forest and blames them for Cenarius's death so she initially vows to destroy both. However, she soon finds out that the Burning Legion has arrived in Kalimdor. In order to oppose the Burning Legion, Tyrande reawakens the sleeping elf druid, starting with her lover Malfurion Stormrage and frees his brother Illidan Stormrage from prison against Malfurion's will. Ildian meets Arthas, who tells him about the powerful Skull of Gul'dan, consuming the Skull and becoming a demon-elf hybrid. Ildian uses power to kill Tychondrius. He is, however, banished from the forest by his brother as he is now part demon. Meanwhile, the Prophet summons Thrall, Jaina, Tyrand, and Malfurion and reveals that he used to be Medva, the last guardian and the betrayer of Warcraft orcs and humans or betrayer from warcraft orcs and humans return to make amends for his past sins the humans orcs and night elves form a reluctant alliance to stop a uh, spring trap on the burning legion and delay it long enough for many ancestral spirits to destroy archimon at mount hyjal peace once again comes to kalimdor as the burning legion's forces wither away in defeat now after all those games uh, it became kind of a popular thing to have online massive role- role-playing games uh, the first one that I recall, of course, was EverQuest by Sony. And then, of course, that got popular enough to made an EverQuest 2, which I did start playing EverQuest 2. I don't think those servers are up anymore for EverQuest 2. But it was uh, it was fun. It, was, uh, it had a lot of realism. I really liked the spell effects in that game. Uh, but from there, a friend of mine got me a copy of World of Warcraft, and I did play with that. Most of my playing, though, with World of Warcraft has been on outside servers that uh people are not really supposed to do but there there are servers out there that you can get away from Blizzard to save yourself the monthly fees. You don't get a lot of the benefits of some of the newer expansions and stuff like that, but you know, you can save money and you can still kind of play the game. Although the one server that we used to play on, um it really didn't have a whole lot of people on it, so you were kind of running around by yourself and you couldn't really form big groups. I was actually more fond of City of Heroes, uh, which I kind of came into that one fairly late, but I used to play on the main servers. Uh, you know, you, On City of Heroes, you could create superheroes, and you were defending a city, and I got part of a large alliance, because you, you could form super teams, and then all your super teams could form together to form one massive alliance, and I was part of one. And we'd go on, you know, big missions and, you know, we'd have 20 to 30 heroes going fighting some great massive villain and doing all these great fun things. I was having a great time and then the massive alliance broke apart and everything just shattered and it just wasn't fun anymore. (laughs) I mean, it was still cool that it was a superheroes thing, but I was kind of out on my own. I didn't have uh, my people that I was talking to and teaming with. And uh, so part of the fun, I guess, of the online gaming is being able to play with other people. But of course, so World of Warcraft, the online role-playing game, Blizzard came around with the, uh, with the, uh, Warcraft world of Azeroth, and of course, you know, you could choose whether to be, you know, an orc, an elf, or, you know, all these different races, and whether you want to be part of the Alliance or part of the Horde, and the continuing battle between orcs and humans, which some sometime, kind sometimes getting together, and of course the Lich King is, uh, is still part of it, um... I don't know who actually would, was the king in this one. It's been a long time since I've played any of this. But uh, this is where you know the, the popularity really built for this. And where now finally they have a feature film. Where Blizzard Entertainment actually has you know stepped in to uh, help make this film. Uh, to of course guide it I guess. And of course it's been released by Universal. Now when I got into this film. I, I When I first heard of it. I thought, oh, well, video game movies are hardly ever any good. And this I can't expect this to be that great. But then I first saw that trailer, that that very first trailer, and I believe I did talk about it here in the Neverland podcast. It actually looked kinda good and kinda cool. It's very stylized, uh, and I must say, you know, a lot of the uh there's a lot of computer generated characters in this. And it, it's almost half an animated movie with some live actors in there. But everybody looks fairly good. But you can, you know, you can obviously tell this well as an animated character. But there's a lot of you know, uh, motion capture going on and facial recognition um, only a, a few names actually were, were familiar to me uh, like Clancy Brown is an orc called Blackhand he's kind of a big war chief uh, who loses one of his hands but he's also got one hand painted in black and I didn't even I, I you would think I would have recognized Clancy Brown's voice but actually I didn't uh, Blackhand didn't have a whole lot of dialogue uh, it was his actions that really meant something uh and then Dominic Cooper's name sounded familiar and he plays King Lane Rin, uh who's a very good king over the humans. Uh and the humans have enjoyed peace in Azeroth for quite some time. Uh now let me look over here. Yeah, Dominic Cooper. He is listed as being in Captain America the First Avenger. Uh as Howard Stark. There that's why I recognized him. I knew he looked familiar. Okay, so he's been playing Howard Stark, so you've also seen him as in Agent Peggy Carter. So there we go. Okay, I feel better now that I looked that up while I was talking to you. But okay, um, so your overall story is: we start with the orcs, and similar to the Burning Legion that uh, we were just talking about, there is something called the Fell, which is this green magic, but it is some sort of demon entity that uh, I got. I got to look these names up to get these names right. Goldan, played by Daniel Wu, uh, this old kind of necromancer orc. Uh, he ha- can sap the life force out of things and use it for power, and he has made a portal into Azeroth. Now, some of the orcs, uh, namely Durotan, named by Toby, or played by Toby Cabell, uh, he's the main orc that you see, he's kind of starting to realize that, you know, um, our land died and it seemed to have something to do with Gul'dan. Everything that Gul'dan does, because he, he takes life out of things, it's like he seems like he destroyed our world, and now he wants to go into this Azeroth world, and uh, he's got conversations with his his best friend, and they look, and they say, "Wow, this land is green and good." Remember when our land used to be like that, and it only changed when Gul'dan started using this green fell power, and uh, Gul'dan has been imbuing or- orcs with the uh, the fell power and turning them green as well, uh, even. Uh, I'll let me look at his name, Dorotan's, uh, son, who, uh, is, you know, his wife goes into, Draken. by the way, is his wife, Draka. uh, she goes into labor right when they're going through the portal and gives birth to the child, right there, when they get into Azeroth, and Goldan immediately, uh, quote-unquote, blesses the child with the fell power, turning the baby green. Now, this baby will, will apparently become important in a potential sequel, uh, if the movie does well enough, right now it is not number one at the box office as of Saturday morning when I'm recording this and I've just come back. And, uh, for a long time I was the only person sitting in the, my theater until the, 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 uh, trailer started showing and then, uh, about, you know, four or five other people came in to watch. But it was an early morning showing, about nine o'clock in the morning here some full time. Uh, so I'm worried that this is not going to do as well as expected. But anyway, so that's your equivalent though to the burning legion is the the fell now the humans have gotten wind of this there is a young mage who was part of an order that he has now left which i didn't there a lot of the names are really really difficult to catch because they're uh they're a little different we'll just say that as you might have noticed with all the names that i was going uh and listing and it's really weird but uh Cadgar is his name, spelled with a K. It sounded like Catgar uh, when they were saying it, but it's Cadgar. Uh, he's this young mage who, at a place where the, the orcs have already slaughtered one garrison, he went and was checking bodies for evidence of fell magic. Uh, and, of course, he goes and uh, meets up with. Uh, Another human, and Duin Lothar, who's sort of our main human, uh, and is trying to tell him, hey, we need to summon the guardians, and then, of course, only the king can summon the guardians. So they go to King Lane, uh, King over, over the realm of Stormwind, uh, with the main human areas, and to go and summon the guardian, the guardian. Which, by the way, remember when I talked about Medva? That's the Guardian. And that was, of course, from the first Warcraft, Orcs vs. Humans. And um, I'm not going to necessarily spoil anything, but I did mention something about him in that previous game. That, uh, you know, Minva is kind of an interesting character in that he is really trying to help, but it's, he's developing a split personality, let's just say. And so if you're a fan of the games, you're going to have probably seen it coming. I didn't really see it coming because I've only played a little bit, and I never completed any story modes, but, you know, slight spoiler warning there, but, uh, I, it's really not going to spoil much, uh, because it is early on that, uh, well, okay, I won't say. <laughs> Just because I don't want to step too far in there, because I want you to go see this movie, because I did have fun with this film. The look of it is good, the style is good, lots of action, good, uh, good kind of drama type of things, uh, bit of a tragedy at times, uh, you know, there's, uh, a lot of things that kind of happen, a lot of tragic things, a lot of death, um, But with some of the orcs realizing, though, that this fell power is bad and has destroyed their world, and now he's just coming to this other one he's going to destroy it, they start thinking, well, maybe we need to kind of work with these humans because we can't stand up to Goldan ourselves. We need the help of some humans, and it's in their interest to save their world as well. So maybe we can bring peace between us, we can save this world, and we can all live here together. That is the goal they set out with. Now... I won't say how things go from this point, because like I said, I want you to go see it. But it was very entertaining. Lots of great battle uh, scenes. Um... Really good character development, pretty much an ensemble cast. I have seen some bad reviews on this already, uh, but that's because you know it's not Lord of the Rings caliber of story, but it is better than those Hobbit movies. Not better than the Hobbit book, perhaps, but better than those Hobbit movies, I thought, because I the Hobbit movies I was really disappointed on. This I actually just had a good time with, and it was fun. The spell effects were really cool. Uh, I, they did a lot to kind of... Try to include people who maybe not be familiar with the games, but I think it's more helpful if you are familiar with the games or have played them. But you can still understand sort of what's happening if you're walking in and you didn't have a clue about this and you're just going, oh, look, a fantasy film. Uh, You're still going to enjoy it, uh, and you won't see some twists and stuff, I guess, coming. There were people who are familiar with more of the story of Azeroth, you know, in the lands of Warcraft. But I did have a good time, uh, so I definitely recommend it. Uh, I can't think of any more that I really need to say about this because I don't want to really give away any plot points because a lot of different things happen. There's a lot of interesting characters. There is a uh, a woman uh, who is half... Uh, she's Garona, which means cursed in Orcish. Uh, she's half human and half Orc. And she doesn't feel like she's been accepted amongst the Orcs, but uh, all the humans, although first a little distrust, kind of accept her and, and she kind of becomes an ally of the humans. And there's uh a romance you, you don't know if she's more going to be attracted with uh with Lothor or with Cadgar there for a minute but she seems more attracted to Lothar him being more of a warrior type uh, cuz he's like captain of the guard his sister is the queen uh so he's very important uh amongst them and a great uh, war leader kind of general or something like that um so she's more attracted there so there's an interesting story there and some interesting um things that happen because of their uh bond friendship you know that it's it's almost seems like it's got a near romantic thing but not quite uh you also have a very good kind of uh sort of a revenge storyline going on that I don't want to tell you some stuff because I don't want to spoil the story, but yeah, there's some very good, uh, let's just say tension between Lothar and Blackhand. Uh, very, very interesting the way that's set up because, of course, you know Blackhand, you will see him lose a hand, which I did mention. He's got one Blackhand and one that he's going to lose with a, for players of the Warcraft games, a blunderbuss. It's basically an early gun that the dwarves have managed to develop like a musket. And he does lose a hand, but he gets a weapon in place of it. And it becomes very significant to that character. And it's very enjoyable how that comes and plays about. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of <laughs> the, the the ifs, ands, or buts. But definitely I want to say they do set up a sequel uh, because, you know, the, oh, heck, the son of Dorotan is, uh, well, we'll just say he's given a Moses-type send-off, and there is an extra scene, if you get through the first bit of credits, with that character and, and, and setting up something, I guess, for the sequel. And this movie... And this might be what frustrates some people. It doesn't fully resolve the issue of can there be a peace between orcs and humans? And while there there's a couple of villains, really, that are kind of behind all this, and one villain is dealt with, and one, another is sort of dealt with, but is still going to be able to be a problem... And I don't know if they were intending to say, oh, look, so now you can go play the games and you can kind of continue the story. Or if they were just like, you know what, we want to go ahead and make a trilogy, but maybe you need to be sure that your movie is going to do well enough to warrant a trilogy or a sequel before you leave an open-ended ending. So that might be a bit of a problem for some people. I, however, just, it did make me look forward to a potential second movie. I'm just worried they're not going to get to it because I'm not sure that this is making as enough money as it should. Uh, but this does raise some concerns, because... Uh, and now I'm going to uh, look this up real quick. Because uh, I want to get this directly here from the source from Variety, where Disney acquired the rights to a book series by Lloyd Alexander called The Chronicles of Prydain. Uh, I have read these books. I do own copies of them. They're very, uh, you know, I'd say young adult, maybe a, little, maybe a little younger on that. And it was based around some Welsh mythology... And it was published 1960, from 1964 to 1968. And basically you follow around Terran, uh, who's an assistant pig keeper. And uh, the, this is where the movie The Black Cauldron was based. Uh, it's actually, they put two books into one called The, uh, the Book of Three and The Chronicle uh, the Black Cauldron. They put those together to kind of make an animated version of The Black Cauldron that had elements of the story, but yet didn't quite get it right. You know, they kind of made their own. Uh, but some very good books uh, but the the books in the series the book of three the black cauldron the class o' Terran taran and the high king uh, and the, the final book actually won a john newbery medal and uh, was actually given that was given by the Associ- association for library service to children now disney has bought the rights to make films off of this and uh, an interesting question was proposed by the D-Cast last week that if something like Warcraft doesn't do well, because The Hobbit didn't do as well as expected and Warcraft isn't doing very well, uh, it's going to maybe make Disney producers think that, well, maybe these fantasy movies are not where the money is anymore. So maybe Disney will have the rights but then not do anything with it, right? So you know, that they might have a point there. Uh, so I kind of do hope Warcraft... And this this is why I'm covering Warcraft, other than the fact that I wanted to see it and be able to share it. And in Neverland, we do kind of branch out. But there's a Disney connection here in that if this movie does well, then maybe Disney will be able to say, yes, this is still viable, and they'll make these movies. But what if you know Disney starts looking at this as not being a viable, viable franchise? I mean, Disney did not do as well as they should have with uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, which I worry that the, the remaining films of that is not going to be made. But I think part of the problem is... They didn't stick to the books very well. First movie did pretty good with sticking with some of the books. I mean, these are classic books, The Chronicles of Narnia. And if you divert too far, you you don't get some of the, you know, the, the power of the story that's in there. And Prince Caspian was almost disgraceful with how far they tried to veer off and do their own thing and not keep to the story, just in the name of having larger battles. But they lost a lot of story with that. Uh, now, Voyage of the Dawn Treader, I believe, was made by Fox. And that one, I thought, was better. They did—they kind of invented their own version of the story to give a reason for the main story of the book to be happening. But it was still a better film, but I still don't think that they did as well as they wanted to. And Walden Media has kind of backed away from making any more of those movies. And uh, there has been some pretty bad uh, fantasy-style movies that have come out of late. So is it possible Disney will decide to not work on these films after the failures with Chronicles of Narnia? I don't know. Uh, But I think if Warcraft does well, it could be encouraging to Disney to go ahead and move forward because although Disney likes to change things, I think if anyone could do justice to these great five books, it would be Disney, and I would like to see it happen and like to see a Black Cauldron movie that's actually as good as the book. Um, Now, I did see the animated once. I, I was disappointed of it not really sticking to the book very well. Uh, It's not a bad film. Uh, It's not really one of my favorites, and I've only seen it the one time. I feel like I should watch it again. Uh, But anyways, that is overall (laughs) my review of Warcraft. And go see it, because you may help influence Disney in making the Chronicles of Pardane, which, if you have not read the books, I think you would enjoy them. Share them with your children. Read them as bedtime stories. They're great stories. And hope for a potential movie. So, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. All right, now before we go, a couple of things I want to make sure we get out there uh, for our friend Katie Lee, as we know a Sunny Gummy Honker from Darkwing Duck. Her daughter has a website and a, a YouTube channel. Uh, her daughter has is type one diabetic, and she started, I guess, originally working on what was going to be a book. And she started taking photos of children with type one juvenile diabetes, mm. and to just kind of show that everybody that they're they're not alone. You know, the the face of it is is very diverse. So it affects so many people. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you look on YouTube for "You're My Type," and I believe the website is is "You're My Type One." Uh, with the the number one. Uh, I bet Katie Lee has some voices if you go to katielee.com. I bet she's got some links over to it as well. Uh, but go and check out this video, especially if you know someone who is a type one diabetic. I, I think they'd really appreciate that. And it's kind of cool that Katie Lee is, is helping her daughter out and her daughter's doing this big thing. Uh, but also, I needed to clarify something. Katie Lee was talking about being at a my little pony convention in chicago and i think she said june but what she really meant was july now i don't know when in july but if you're in the chicago area and you're a fan of my little pony start looking into that because katie lee will be there because she was one of the voices in the original 1980s my little pony cartoons Uh, but i think that just about wraps things up around here what do you think is there anything else we should tangent about before i let us go
2: yeah, I, I'm afraid I'd drag the show out for another three hours if I did go get on a tangent, So <laughs> <laughs> Uh well, we'll
3: save that for next week. So, you, you th- well, you should here's just a random question: Should Disney actually make a video game movie? Because here, here's something, and I was thinking about this week. Universal has got the rights to Nintendo to do something in the parks. So they, there's potential there to Universal might be able to step up and maybe make some Nintendo game-based movies. Now, Super Mario Brothers, we know it was a disaster as a movie, uh, although I did kind of like it. It was stupid fun, and it's it's a – I don't know. It's one of those guilty pleasures. Occasionally, you know, if it's on TV, I'll watch it just because it's so stupid I, I can laugh at it. But like The Legend of Zelda would make a great film, and I think Disney would have done a great job at it. But it looks like Universal would could possibly get rights to something like that. But if there was any maybe video game franchise that you think you, you, Disney should be able to jump on and try to get some rights to and maybe produce something in the parks or a movie, what would it be? And that's something I think you all can email me on or leave us a voicemail feedback, that kind of thing. If there's any video game that you'd be interested in seeing Disney get the rights to and possibly make a film or an attraction based off of it, what would it be? Because, granted, you know, Nintendo is like the biggest thing in the world.
2: You know, so, I've, I've already got three right here at the top of my mind that I can suggest. And they would be? They would be uh, Heroes Duty, um, Wreck-It Ralph, and Sugar Rush. (laughs) In other words, we want a Wreck-It Ralph sequel. There we go. Oh, yes. And, you know, Disney's already got some uh, licensing lined up there. So Mm -hmm. we might have a few of those characters available uh, to work with, too.
3: That's possible. So, yeah, let us know what you think if Disney should make a video game-based movie, provided, of course, that uh, these video game-based movies start really taking off and do well, which, by the way, as I was telling you in that review, go see Warcraft. It's fun. And I want to see a sequel because the story just left me hanging. and I wanted more.
1: Mm.
3: (laughs) So, well, that's going to do it for this week. All right. Have a
2: good week, everyone.
3: So we'll hit the goodbye button right now. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast.
4: We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure.
3: Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket.
4: It's that young-at-heart, positive attitude that you can share with others.
3: And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com.
4: There you can find links to our news page, our shop,
3: our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com.
4: You can also find our Neverlanders page where you can find out how to become an official lost boy or pixie because girls are too clever to get lost.
3: Become a real Neverlander.
4: Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492.
3: And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast.
4: And like our Neverland podcast fan page on Facebook.
3: We also have a group on Facebook for you to join.
4: We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running.
3: Visit patreon.com slash neverlandpodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive.
4: Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under a fair use license.
3: All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions. And a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God, God bless! <laughs> Yee!
1: Hello, everybody. This is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast. We love you.
3: Neverland Podcast. We love you. Neverland
1: Podcast. It's true. Neverland Podcast. We love you. Yeah!